more quick prayer as we come to the Word. Our hands are out like this as we pray. Father God, speak, for we do not want to miss what you have to say to us. We come to your Word which you inspired and shepherded through the ages that we could even study it today, the actual um, ancient documents that you've inspired to speak to your people for all time. And here we have it. So we're going to take it seriously, and we're going to listen for your voice in and through it. So God, whatever you have for me, my hands are outstretched as a symbol that I don't want to miss it. Speak, God. Your servants are listening. If this is your prayer, say amen. 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 They were in the series called um, uh, Theology Matters. because Theology matters because theology is the truth about God and the truth about life. Theology matters because then if we are going to look at truth and life, then how we live matters. So we call it making uh, big words that make a big difference. And um, <clears throat> again, we're almost done with this series. We don't have a whole lot more big words. It's as smart as we are, and we, we're running out of things that we know about. So we're almost done with this series, but I think it's been a great experience to dig in and, and then go, all right, so how does that make a difference in my life? My word this week is not a word, a big word necessarily, but it's a few words that have kind of a big meaning that a lot of us are, have maybe heard but are not that clear on, and it's called the priesthood of all believers. Have you heard of that phrase, the priesthood of all believers? See, this is why I decided to do it, because four of us have heard this word before. The priesthood of all, be- all believers. It's a big deal in Christianity, actually. You just, when I talk about it, you'll go, oh, okay, yeah, I get that. But we want to dive in and see what that's all about. It's a big word that I think is going to make a big difference. It is just what it sounds like. That all believers are priests and ministers. And that's going to bum you out, right? I'm not the only nerd in the crowd. You're ministers and priests. And, and part of when we go down this road, I mean, some of us are going to feel a little uncomfortable like, wow, really? Because I'm just sort of a dude who's slacker who hangs around the edge of the church thing. But you, you guys up front, you guys are the real like priests and ministers. And, then, and we pay your salary to do that for us. And then we kind of hang around the edge. And you can tell that's not where I'm going to go with this talk, right? The truth is that the biblical concept uh, highlights this idea that all of us are priests and ministers. You know, it's a weird deal to be professional minister. You know that? Some of you know that because you you, you've, you've been in, in, uh, around a ministry family. Your parents were, you know, a pastor or whatever. It is a weird dynamic. And that's why most of you don't want to be priests and ministers. Because it's a weird thing. You go, you go to a cocktail party in today's day and age. And people, you know, the conversation, hey, what do you do? And then you guys all have the conversation about what you do. Well, I'm in systems analysis, and people have no idea what that is. Oh, great, okay, you know. Uh, well, I'm an architect, or I'm a this, I'm a that, you know. And then they get to me. What do you do? And I'm always tempted to lie. Not because I'm not proud of you people. Well, a little bit. But because, but because they don't know what to do with it. Our images of priests, of, of pastors, and of priests, and of ministers is so bizarre and so twisted by media. and twi- they, don't, they just get uncomfortable. They don't know how to talk to you. They don't, they're like, how are you? Are you? See, we use this phrase, called into the ministry. Have you ever used that phrase? Put your hand up if you've used that phrase ever. Okay, now you're all rebuked by me. Never use that phrase again. You and me, we're done with that phrase. You understand me, McElreath? We're done with that phrase. Because that whole called into the ministry, it's like we've slid down a rabbit hole that there's no recovering from, and normal people aren't down there, but we're called into the ministry. Well, friends, I'm here to tell you right now that the Bible teaches that they're not nerds like me and the rest of you. Everybody 
are priests and ministers. And we're going to talk about what that means. So it's just the nerd and the nerds is what it is all about. And, uh, and I know we may resist those terms and we don't know what that means, but this is what the scriptures teach. Um, it's a historically, before I read the scripture, it's a, I want you to know it's a really historically significant term because it was at the birthplace uh, of the Reformation. Martin Luther in 1520s started writing pretty significantly using this phraseology. I mean, he said back then, he said, it is, uh, we are all consecrated priests, all of us, as St. Peter talks about in 1 Peter chapter 2, and then he quotes the verse that we're going to look at today. He said, we're all consecrated priests. He was writing against the abuses of the clergy at that time who had a dichotomy between the super-spiritual and the super-spiritually authoritative and the rest of the lame people. You guys, we sometimes think that way about the ministry. There's people that get up front and are all fired up for God, and they're supposed to do all the work about ministry, and they're supposed to be all faithful to it, and then there's the rest of us. And that is so far from the biblical truth. And I don't want to put down my ordination. I mean, my ordination was a sweet experience. My ordination was a thing, and the Roman Catholics... You know, if you think this is an anti-Roman Catholic sermon, it's not. The Roman Catholics believe in the priesthood of all believers. They believe that all people, all of the spiritual authority, all of the access, and all of the relationship with God that we can have this side of heaven, all of us have it. Roman Catholics believe that. They don't believe the priest has it. In the rest. They don't, that's, not, that's not what this is about. I'm not, they actually just believe that there is a a group of believers who have roles that are more authoritative in helping the church move along in its mission and its worship. And that's not that far from what Protestants believe because you guys all hired us, right? And my ordination was sweet. I mean, my ordination, and I'm not going to use the word call to ministry because me and McElreath are done with that because uh, we're all called to ministry is where we're going today. But my ordination was pretty sweet, actually, um, but it was way beyond my comfort zone because this is my comfort zone, you people. And I mean, I became a Christian when I was 13 years old out of a family that was completely unchurched and didn't have any of that experience. I didn't know what was going on. I mean, when I was 15 and I was trying to follow the Lord, people were still having to tell me, you know, dude, you can't do that anymore. When now you're, like, oh, okay, thanks. And then I stopped, stopped doing that or whatever it was. And then when I was 18, you know, somebody said, you ought to start going to church. I'm like, there's church? I was a Jesus kid in the 70s. I was going to youth group. They're like, come to big church. And there was organ and there were hymns and there were people dressed up. And I'm like, wow, that's cool. I mean, like, I had no clue about this kind of stuff. <clears throat> I mean, when I went to seminary and they were teaching stories out of the Bible, I've told you this before, you know, there were stories that you, many of you guys grew up seeing on the flannel graph, you know, in Sunday school when you were five. There were stories that I was like, that's in the, that is awesome. You know, I'm all fired up. I've never seen it before. So this is not my, my element. I had to borrow a robe. I go to the ordination service and ordination was a big deal. I mean, it was, I mean, it was four years of grad school. It was two years of internship. It was oral exams. It was, I mean, it's, it's a big deal. I mean, I could have, man, I could have been making some real money if that kind of education, you know, if I'd applied myself. So anyway, uh, how long, uh, so, so we all line up to go to our ordination service, <clears throat> and it's at the annual meeting of our denomination, and they say just before we file in, hey, uh, we're going to do this, and we're going to do that, and then you guys are going to recite the Apostles' Creed. <laughs> guys, I don't know the Apostles' Creed. <laughs> I didn't know the Apostles' Creed. Anybody know the Apostles' Creed by heart? Like if I made you one, two, three, okay, yeah. 
yeah, I didn't know it. It's my ordination service. So clearly I was out of my element. So I had to hide behind the dude. I was in the second row and that was good. I just hide behind his head and I'm like, we believe in the Father, Holy Spirit, Pontius Pilate. You know, I just mumbled. (laughs) There's nothing fundamentally, foundationally different between those people who are vocationally ordained and in ministry and those of us that sit every Sunday in church. We are all priests. We are all ministers. That's where we're going this morning to talk about it. I want you to look at the text with me, 1 Peter 2. I'm losing my voice because everybody in our pastoral staff is sick. It's a requirement, and I am not going down. Do you hear me? I am not going down. 1 Peter 2, hear the word of the Lord, friends. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by human beings but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices to God through Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in Him will never be put to shame. That's about Jesus. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message that Jesus is the way. And that's what they were destined for then. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The word of the Lord. And you say, thanks be to God. We'll try that again. The word of the Lord. They taught me that in seminary. Good job. (laughs) Foundationally, this is a biblical term. It's it's historically significant, but it is a biblical term. A couple of basic uh, facts. Go back to the, uh, uh, I want to go back to that first uh, couple of verses, and there's some words highlighted in there uh, about this, and then we're going to talk about what it means to be a priest. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God, you also are living stones. Now, it's interesting. Who's writing this again? Peter. What does the, the name Peter mean? Stone, rock. That's right. He knows some stuff about stones. I love that. He's like, man, dude, dude. this is what happened. He got to the place where he recognized that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. And when he proclaimed that, Jesus goes, <clears throat> that's it. And now your name is no longer Simon. Simon's a good Jewish name. He said, your name is no longer Simon. It will now be rock. It'll be stone. It'll be Peter. I'm going to call you Peter from now on. He goes, it's the rock. Because on that rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Peter goes, I know some stuff about rock. And it's about Jesus being the foundation. It's about Jesus being the cornerstone. And Peter goes, now listen, here's how it goes. He makes us stones. Peter's like, get it? See what I did there with my name? He makes us stones and he builds up a spiritual house. We're living stones in a spiritual house. That's where life comes. That's how we are alive, like Jesus is alive, because Jesus' spirit is living in us. And so we become this spiritual house. We become the temple of God. We become the house where the spirit lives. You hear this? We become the place where God dwells. Now, this is super foundational to where we're going. 
friends. We are like living stones. Every one of us, every time somebody becomes a Christian, they become alive spiritually because Christ's Spirit comes in them. And then they're like a stone that gets added to this house. And all of us together become the place where God is dwelling on this earth. He goes, I'm in you. And this is how I'm going to manifest myself in you. So that we could be a holy priesthood. This is where we're going. We got God's Spirit, we're alive, all of us together, we're God's place, to, and then we're going to be a holy priesthood. And that holy priesthood, that's that next phrase, Daryl, you can highlight that before we, we uh, move on. That holy priesthood is our call, and we're going to offer spiritual sacrifices. I'm going to talk about what that means in a minute. We get to be priests and ministers of God because He has made us alive, made us the place where He dwells, and now He goes, so now this is your job. You're the priests for me. All of you together. Every one of you. Not the priests and the laity. Not the ministers and you guys. Not the spiritual and the lame dudes. It's everybody are priests. Now, then, it begs the question, all right, so this is our job. We're going to be priests. Then what do priests do? Now, don't think Catholic priests. Don't think Episcopalians. Don't, we have to think back then, because he said, you're priests, and they go, what are priests now? They're talking about Jewish priests. To oversimplify this in a 30-minute sermon, I'm going to give you two things. This is what priests do, and this is our, this is our job. Okay? Number one, priests had access to God. Priests had access to God. Okay? This is what this big word, priesthood of all believers, is about. Number one, priests had access to God. Now, we know that back then because if you've read your Old Testament, you're like, man, there's all kinds of really interesting stuff in there. Some of it I can't quite figure out, but there's some interesting stuff in there about these priests and the rituals and the sacrifices and the ceremonies and the worship and all that stuff that they did. But one of the things we know is that they had access to God in the temple. See, the regular people didn't have access to God. They had all these courts and concentric circles kind of at the temple, the place where they worshipped. On the outside courts, even the Gentiles could come to that, and then you could go a little further, and there was a court of women, and that was as far in as they could go. And then there was the court of all the believers and the Jewish men, and then there was the court, then there was the place uh, where the sacrifices were done. They call it the holy place. And the priests could go to the holy place. Now think about it. They knew God dwelled in their temple. That was the place God lived. And they wanted to be near God and have a relationship with God. Well, priests were the ones that had access to God. And priests could go not only to the court of the Gentiles, not only past where the women could go, not only past where the holy men could go, the righteous men could go, but into the place where the priests could go, where all the sacrifices and all the rituals were performed on behalf of the people. The priests could go into the holy place. And then the priests could go even to the most holy place. Within the holy place where the priests could administer all their, their worship, there was a smaller place. Your Bible may call it the Holy of Holies. Have you heard this? And in that Holy of Holies, man, if all of that, God dwelled in the temple and God really dwelled in the holy place, the terrifying, intimate presence of God was in the most holy place. And even most of the priests couldn't even get in there. But one guy once a year, if he had all the proper rituals done and all the, um, the cleansing and all of the sacrifices made, the high priest could enter in one time per year to offer sacrifices for the atonement of all of God's people. Do you see the, the metaphor that's happening here? God set all of that in place so that it would lead us to say, oh, that's Christ who could offer atonement for all people. And that's a holy God that we serve. And that's an amazingly intimate presence that, um, that we can't go into 
but the priests can. And then in the New Testament, he goes, hey, you're a living stone filled with the Spirit to be priests for me. You have access to God. So in this holy of holies, where the guy would go in once a year and offer the sacrifices, and tradition tells us that, man, they were so, it was so intense, this intimacy, this immediacy with God in the holy of holies, that they would tie a rope around his waist and put a bell on him so that if he didn't do everything just right and God happened to smite him dead, they could pull his sorry tail out with the rope. I mean, that was the picture of, you don't mess around in the presence of God. But my friends, the priests had access. And then he says to us, you are living stones built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. And at the moment Jesus died on the cross, the curtain that separated the most holy place from the holy place in the temple, the curtain ripped from top to bottom when Jesus died, showing that we have now opened the floodgates and access to God is free because of the death of Jesus. Is that not good news? Is that awesome? Priests have access to God. And so Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have now confidence to enter the holy of holies. Can you believe he was smiling when he said it? We have confidence now to enter the most holy of holies by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain that is his body, it says. So now then draw near to God in full assurance of faith. We have access. Priests have access and we are the priests of God. That's good news. Second thing that priests do, what do priests do? They're a bridge for people to God. They're a bridge for people to God. See, bridges go both ways. We, the priests, would lead people to God And then the priests would become channels of God's blessing to them. Priests would, through all of their ministry, through all of the things that they did, through their rituals, their sacrifices, their offerings, their prayers, their their burnt offerings, their their lambs, their their doves, through all of those things, they became a bridge to bring people to God because people didn't have access to God. The people who didn't have access to God couldn't get to God, and the priest said, we will be a bridge between you and God. They became then the sights and the sounds and the smells of who God is. They became revealers of the character and the heart and the message of God. You see where I'm going with this? This is what priests did. They were bridges for people to God. Now, in their abuses, they were keeping people from God. And that's what Martin Luther was mad about, and that's been going on since the time of Jesus. But priests who wanted to serve God, who were true in their hearts, they were people who would bridge the gap between people and God. Friends, that's who we are. Now, how did they do that? They did that a couple of ways. First, they led in worship. This is what they did. They led in worship. They said, let me show you who God is so you can respond to Him. That's what worship is. That's what these guys are doing. That's what we try to do on Sunday mornings. Let me, let's show you who God is. Through however we go about that, in their case, through these symbols and these rituals and, and these songs. And let me show you who God is, and then you can respond to it. That's what priests do. They lead in worship. In fact, we know in verse 9 of this text that we looked at in 1 Peter chapter 2, in verse 9 of that text, if you can go there, yeah, there you go, perfect. Um, it says, Look, you're a holy nation, you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special posi- uh, possession. Why? So that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness 
and into his wonderful light. Part of our priestly duty is to lead in worship and to say, oh, he's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our worship. We declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. The priest did things that said, look at how amazing God is. Look at what God has accomplished. Look at what God's nature is. Look at what God's grace is. Look at what God's message is. And they uh, showed people who God was so they could respond. That's what priests do. Now we'll come back to that with regard to us. That's what we get to do. Secondly, they uh, were mediators. They didn't just say, let me show you who God is. They said, let me show you the way to God. And that's what their, their worship was. That's what their rituals were. That's what their sacrifices were. They said to people, listen, this is what the way to God. It's through repentance and confession and humility and receiving God's grace. You read through the Old Testament you know, we give the Old Testament a bad rap by saying, well, it's all these laws and this and that. Now, the Old Testament has all of that truth in there that the Old Testament priests were showing the symbol that, man, we are at the mercy of a holy God. And His compassion is the only thing we can depend on. And so they said, we'll do these sacrifices that God has instituted because it, and I'm getting into a whole other sermon, but read Hebrews. They said, you know, this is what will happen for a time until the day when God can send a Savior for us. For we have no hope without God's compassion and salvation. And so they were mediators. They were saying, listen, I'll show you the way to God, as it were, during this time. And so they had these sacrifices, and then they sacrificed lambs for the, sa- the salvation of people, or for the forgiveness of people, excuse me. They, were, they, had the sa- they had the scapegoat, who they put on the scapegoat symbolically all of the sins of all of the people, and then released it into the wilderness so that it would carry the burden of sin and the wrath of God on it instead of us as people. They had these things that symbolized... We, I'm going to help you get to God. You're going to know how to get to God. I'm going to be a mediator, a bridge between you and God. They were led in worship, said, I'll show, I'm going to show you who God is so you can respond. They were mediators. Meaning they said, let me show you the way to God. And so because of that, they were agents of God's blessing. Because of that, then God's heart was revealed to people. Because of that, people knew that God had power and compassion and mercy on them and that they were going to be able to receive that from God and that that was a good news story. This is what priests did. They basically said, this is a good news story, the love and the mercy and the grace of God. Friends, that's the priesthood that we get to be. We get to minister the grace and the truth about God to people who don't know him. That's what we get to do. Priests had access to God. We get access to the Holy of Holies. And priests become a bridge for people to God. That's the ministry that we get. That's why the text says that we offer spiritual sacrifices. We don't sacrifice the lamb anymore. We don't sacrifice the dove anymore. We don't have the burnt offering anymore. We do spiritual sacrifices, meaning we live in obedience to the Holy Spirit and live that out in love and generosity and in prayer and in worship and in obedience and in intercession. We, out of the Spirit, we minister in such a way that people know who God is and can see Him and smell Him and find Him. You with me on that? That's what we get to do. And that is not what you pay me to do. That's what we do because we're a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices that are pleasing and acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. All of us do that work. That's what we are in the world. Can you see the difference, the big difference that this makes in our lives? 
This big word, priesthood of believers, this is what priests do. Can you see the big difference? If priests had access to God, then we have access to God. Do you take it? The curtain was torn in two from top to bottom, the Scripture says, so that people could see we have access to the holy of holies and enter into a frighteningly intimate relationship with God Himself. Have you stepped through the curtain and taken hold of that church? There are people who may be in this room this morning who have never answered the most significant question of every day we'll ever spend on earth, and that is, have you said yes to the relationship with God that Jesus provided by his death on the cross? That's what becoming a Christian means. And somebody today is like, I get that. Now I see what you're talking about. Because it's not about church attendance, and it isn't about morals, apparently. It's about a whole bunch more than that. It is about saying the temple has, the curtain has been torn, and because of Jesus' forgiveness, we have confidence to enter the most holy place. So we draw near to God. Have you said yes to the gift of salvation through Christ? Yes to the forgiveness that he offers? Yes to a relationship with God himself? Have you said yes? Even if right now you're like, I don't think so, but man, I want that. That's you. That's God meeting you right now. And you have said, you could become a Christian right this minute. And I just don't want to leave that. I don't want to leave that for people who go, man, I'm hanging around church, kind of getting part of the message. That's the message, friends. We have access. Have you taken it? And then maybe for the rest of us who have like, no, I got that and I said yes to Jesus and I became a Christian when I was 15 years old or last year or whatever. My question is, do we live in it? Are we living in that access? We have access to God. I got to go to spring training a, couple, a few days ago. At the beginning of the week, I got to see a couple of baseball games, hang out. I was so not into spring training. I thought spring training was going to be kind of dumb. The people with the balls and the nerds going, hey, can you sign my face? You know, I didn't know. I didn't know what that was about. I didn't think it was going to be all that cool. So I kind of stepped back like this. And, and I was with Greco, and he's like, dude, did you bring some balls to get some signatures? I'm like, no, what am I, an eBay nerd? I'm not going to do that. And uh, so I sat back and I kind of watched this whole thing until one of my favorite players goes by and he's standing right here. He's standing there at the practice field. And I'm like, dude, this is not like when you pay $89 for a Giants ticket and you sit 600 feet away from the guy. He's right there. And I'm standing there and I go grab a ball from Greco and I go, and I go right to the rope and I'm like, Hey, man, I'm a big fan, and my son is a fan of yours, and can you, it'd mean a lot to us, and he looks at me, and, he, and, we, and I won't bore you with a conversation. I hung out with the dude, and when, he, when another player that I really respect overheard our conversation, he's like, what? And he comes over, and I'm patting him on the shoulders. Look at these guys. <laughs> we had access, friends. That was the point of spring training. We... we and I'm back here like this going, well, I don't want to bug the guys in the team. They probably don't. No, they do. That's the point of it. And I got to go and be with these guys and hang out. And now they're my buddies. <laughs> hey, what are you doing after the game? You want to go out for a beer? You know? And they're like, okay, now you're a nerd and you're scaring us. <laughs> we have access. Have you lived in it? Or do you come and visit at the great cost of Jesus' death on the cross and the pain, the penalty for all of the world's sin, where the temple 
the curtain was torn wide open so that we could have confidence to enter the most holy place. At that great cost, do we dabble in a relationship with Yahweh, the creator of heaven and earth? Do we dabble in it? Do we flirt in and out of it? Like we come to church sometimes and come back out again and then go to real life or friends? Do we live in a relationship, in an access with the holy God all the time? Because that's what we've been given. That would change our lives. Priests had access, so do we. The other way it changes our lives is if priests were a bridge for people, so are we. Through our ministry, we help people see and smell and know and hear God himself that they might have a relationship with him. That's our call. Friends, we have access to God, so let's take it. But we got a ministry, and we got to live it. Your life call is clear. You're called, excuse me, Rich, you're called into ministry. You're called into the ministry. You're called to be a holy priesthood. You're called to be a living house where God dwells, and then you do priest stuff. And your priest stuff is that you help people worship by you declaring the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. We, we lead people, we show them God just like the priest did in worship. And you go, well, how do I do that? Do I stand here? Do I lift my hands? No. Where you're out in life, you go out and you say, let, let me show you God. This is what He's done in my life. And man, we get all twisted around about how that looks and we knock on a door and we have a little track with bad illustrations and we say, have you made the wonderful discovery of, you know, and people go, you're a freak. And we get all twisted around about what it means to help people hear and see God. Friends, the Scripture says you're His priest so that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. You live a life of gratefulness to what God has done. That's all you have to do. There's a, there's a story in John chapter 9 where that happened. The guy said, man, what happened to you? A blind guy got healed by an encounter with Jesus. And they go, what happened to you? He goes, I don't know. They go, but tell us what he did. What happened? I don't know. All I know is that I was blind and now I see. They go, well, what did he do? What did he say? And how did you? And he's, the, the guy said, I don't know. I was blind and now I see. I'm declaring the praises of him who called me out of darkness into his wonderful light. And they said, but, but how? And, they, and he said, you need to go find this Jesus guy yourself because all I know is I was blind and now I see. Friends, we lead in worship by declaring the praises of what God's done in our life. We become mediators. We help people, not just show them about what God can do. We lead them to God. And we're able to say to people, this is how you also can know Christ. This is my priestly duty. Paul called it that in Romans. Paul said, hey, I've been called as a minister to do my pre, he called it this, my priestly duty of proclaiming the good news of Jesus to the whole world. It's his priestly duty, and that's what we do. Here's how you find Christ, we can tell people. Friends, again, how you do that, how you communicate that in a way that our world can hear. You know what? Do your homework. Pre prepare. Equip yourself. Figure out how people can understand the good news of Christ in our culture, but don't be silent because you're called into the ministry. You've got to help people know Christ. So we show them God. We, we, we show them how to get to God. And so as a result of that, we get to be agents of God's blessing. 
We get to be agents of God's blessing everywhere we go. This is what priests did. They said, here, let me declare to you the character of God. Let me show you who God is. Let me, let me, so that you can see and to smell and to taste and to, to hear God everywhere we go. And friends, we get all freaked out about, again, how does that happen? It happens in every way. It happens in everything we do. Every place we go, the good news of the character and the grace of God leaks out. It reeks out of everything that we go to. You get to be people that after every bus ride, after every committee meeting, after every uh, Tupperware party, after every Christmas party at work, after every encounter, you get to be a place where people go, man, what is that smell? That smells good to me. That smells like life to me. And then we're able to help people understand that that's the grace of God in our lives. That's the beauty of God in our lives that they're seeing and smelling and feeling. Are you a blessing every step of your day? You get to be a blessing of the character of God. Every day, everywhere you go. Friends, it's not egotistical. I don't want you to be oversensitive, but I want you to be able to walk into a meeting and say, I'm going to bring it. I'm bringing a blessing. I'm going to be a blessing to this today. I'm a blessing to this company. I'm a blessing to this, this friend. I'm a blessing to this boss. I'm a blessing to this enemy. I'm a blessing of God because I'm a royal and holy priest for my king. What a joy to live that way. We basically become the sights and the sounds and the smells of the good news. And that's what you get to do. Priests had access, so do we. They'll change our lives if we live in it. And priests become a bridge for people to God. And that's your ministry. Once you stand, I'm going to give you a blessing to go live that ministry. Friends, I was goofing around about my ordination service. But then it surprised me. And if you can picture all of us being called every Sunday to ministry, all of us being called every day of our lives to be set aside, ordained, consecrated, to be priests, was joking about this service, but I got in there. They had us kneeling across the front. It's not unlike you today. And the elders of our denomination, the bishops, the pastors, the president, the, they one by one walked past us, grabbed my face, and spoke private words Every one of them was different to each of the ordinands. And I was all, this is dumb, this is dumb, and then floored by the power of that experience. Because they spoke the powerful call to holy priesthood into me. And I'm telling you right now, that's a specific role that God has asked me to play as a pastor of a church, but foundationally it is no different to you. And each one whispered some version of this. You enter boldly to the very presence of our living God. And you receive from him all that he has for you there, for you are his priest. And you go and be a bridge 
you go smell and look and sound like the good news that our world would know Jesus and every knee will bow and declare him the Lord. That's your ministry. Go, friends, as priests of our living God.